welcome to another edition of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Warrilow and I'll be your host today as we take another deep dive interview to go behind the scenes on life and work with a very special human. Now this podcast is about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we're going to be diving deeply into topics that keep you inspired and at your best. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations tackling the challenging issues of our times. But before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask a favor. It won't take a minute and it would make a huge difference to us. Would you please go to iTunes or whatever app you're listening to, subscribe and leave a rating and review. It helps us to share our message of inspirational change with as many people as we can and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people. So thank you. Okay, so our guest on the podcast this week is Cheryl Hansen. Now, Cheryl has had a career in the nonprofit sector. She has worked with many organizations like African Leadership, Refugees Ministries, World Vision, Second Harvest Food Bank, Feeding America, and various other organizations working with different communities of immigrants, the homeless, gang members, and prisoners. She has found in her work helpful ways to open communication and understanding with others of different races, faiths, politics, or orientation. And today, we're going to be talking about radical compassion, how listening with compassion can change the world. So welcome, Cheryl. Well, thank you. It's so nice to be with you today. Yeah, I, I tell you, we don't know each other, really. So I am really looking forward to this conversation, Cheryl, to really find out more about you and, and your work. But first, <laughs> first, I want our listeners, you know, they've heard your professional bio, and I'd love you to share a little bit of the real life human who's behind the bio. Who is she? Ah, well, to give you my story now, I have to just briefly tell you where I came from. Right. I grew up in what I would call a bubble. Everyone that I grew up around uh, looked like me, believed like me. Um, same socioeconomic, everything was just very much in a bubble. And I didn't have a bigger world view growing up. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was particularly intentional. It's just the way I was brought up in my family and in my community. And as I became an adult and started working in the nonprofit sector, which had always been my heart, I got the blessing and opportunity to meet people that walked different paths than I did, had different faiths, had different races, different cultures. And I realized as I began to work with these different people that the narrative that I had been given growing up about certain groups of people and things like that were not matching up to the reality of what I was seeing in the people that I was working with and growing and loving with. And uh, so I started to, down this long journey of finding that in the world that we live in, there is so much division and um, anger and hatred and fear of each other. I started to develop and learn 
not only through my own experience, but other thought leaders, a better way to communicate and understand, which would allow us to move forward in a more peaceful way. Yeah. You know, and as I hear you speak to that, it sounds to me like a, I'm going to put these words to it, an awakening in a way. It's like your eyes were opened a little wider to the world, Sharon. You're like, wow, like the narratives that I had running through my childhood are not the narratives that I can embrace as an adult. Would you say that was true? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, some people come to an aha moment all of a sudden. Mm. I, 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 it was just little seeds of thought of like, wow, that's not matching up. And, oh, I had no understanding of this group of people or this person. And it just, it was a slow opening of my mind and my heart mm. to see the world and understand it in a better way. And in turn, it built hope in me that we could find a way to understand each, each other better. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, that is such a noble statement that you've just said there. And you said it so flippantly and off the cuff, but it feels quite profound. You know, that if we can build the hope where, you know, we can find deeper understanding with each other, we can communicate better, then in many ways I can see there's a potential for a whole many of the different ways that we do divide ourselves as humans. So it sounds like really simple, but profound work that you do. <laughs> it, it certainly is. And it's just, it's so rewarding, Jane, to see uh, people that when we come together and hear each other's stories, not with the intent to change each other or convince each other of our beliefs or our thoughts, but to just hear each other's stories so that we have a better understanding of why they say the things they do, why they believe the things they do. You know, one thing that I teach um, is in our conversations with people that are different than us, a conversation is sort of like an iceberg, and I'm sure you learned this in science in school. Icebergs, there's only a small fraction on the top of the surface, and there's a whole lot underneath. And that's sort of what conversations are with people. What they're saying and their actions are what were, are visible to us, but there's so much that informs it below the surface. Um, their culture, what they've been taught, their experiences, all that feeds into where they are. And until we build relationship with someone and look below the surface, we can't truly understand and connect with someone. Yeah. And I think that's so true, what you're saying about looking below the surface. Because, you know, I, you know I'm a coach. And one of the things I notice as I kind of walk through the world is, to me, it's almost like we've forgotten how to have real conversations. Because often, you know, I can be in a, a coffee shop or I can be in a place where I can overhear other people's conversations. And it's almost like two people having monologues without actually kind of parallel monologues, without actually listening to each other. It's like the other person's just waiting to speak again on right. their track. And I just wondered what your thoughts are on that. Well, that's something I have to work on with myself, to be honest. Yeah. Is when we're in a conversation, especially if it's 
a very important, deep conversation. A lot of times we're in our head while the other person is speaking, trying to think what we're, how we're going to respond and how can I prove myself in this and all that. And if we can just stop and listen, uh, you will so, building a bridge with someone where you have differences has so much more hope if you listen to them first, because when they hear, feel heard, yeah. really take in what they're saying, they're going to be more apt to listen to what you have to say. But we don't have to constantly be thinking, okay, what can I say next to prove my point or all that? Just stop, slow your mind down and really plug in what they're saying. And, and I am the first one to admit that is something, a lesson I've had to teach myself. And it's something we can all grow in. Yeah. So our title, I'm just going to take you to the first piece, radical compassion. To me, those are both words that, you know, in a way have very, they can have very deep meanings. So can you like walk us through a little bit, like why radical compassion? What is that for you? I picked that term in my work because it sort of reflects, compassion sounds like a soft, easy word. Oh, I'm just being kind to you. I'm being compassionate. But to be kind and compassionate to someone who disagrees with you, who sees the world differently than you, takes you into a new radical space where you have to push yourself into um, loving and being compassionate with someone where it's not easy. And, you know, I always say when I use the word love, um, love is sort of an interesting word too, because in the English language, it sort of fails us. We have one word for love and it can mean anything from I love Mexican food to I love my family who loves me back. That's, love but so there's a different kind of love when you can love and have compassion for someone that you disagree with um you know i've told this story before in my teaching that you know you hear stories of someone being kind to someone that's hurt them or maybe a parent whose child was murdered and they go to the prison to not only forgive, but to tell the killer that they love them. They're doing that for their own healing, but that's a whole nother love. And to take the word love, I'm trying to ask the people I teach to find the full meaning of love and the full meaning of compassion when it takes us into uncomfortable spaces. And you know what, when you said that then, I just got goosebumps because you're talking here about bringing radical compassion to places that generally speaking are not thought of as compassionate places. So you're not just doing this work of radical compassion, like in everyday life, you're actually going into places where they really need you. Right. Right. Exactly. And it, it, to be honest, it's a, it's a constant work within my own heart, and it has to be a constant work in all of our hearts. And it is normal human behavior to want to be around people that we agree with and enjoy their company and we share common beliefs or whatever. Um, but to 
push ourselves just outside our normal circles and get to know and appreciate people that are different than us. We may still walk away from conversations not agreeing on everything, but we can respect each other's humanity and have compassion for each other and understanding of why they are who they are. Mm -hmm. And when someone is heard and feels truly heard and seen, you change them and you change yourself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I, you know, this whole idea of listening with compassion, um, you know, it seems to be, or certainly pre-COVID, was seemed to be something of a growing movement around the world. And in Europe, there's, um, there's a, a whole movement around people just setting up chairs in cities and just sitting there with a sign saying, I'm willing to listen. And people come along and just talk and there's no advice given, there's nothing. It's just this idea of listening because it's driven, I think, by, and I was speaking to somebody who was involved with that movement um, a few months ago and they were telling me that, you know, really it's because it's like we've forgotten how to listen in the world, to truly listen. And I just wondered, you know, is that something you would agree with or do you have a different perspective there, Cheryl? Oh, absolutely. You know, when you said that, it brought to mind, and forgive me, I don't remember her name, a few years ago, I think it was in a New York art gallery, an artist came, sat a chair down. It was an experiential art installation, but she sat down and people could come and she just looked at them. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> and people were brought to tears yes. just being seen. Yeah. You know, and, and so listening and seeing, and, and these people were talking or just looking at total strangers. Mm-hmm. And it says something about the world that we need, a total stranger is willing to sit down and be brought to tears by another stranger just by the chance of being seen and heard for a moment, mm. you know, and that is what we need to give to the world is those opportunities. Mm. Yeah. And I hear like underneath what you're, you're talking to us about here about difference and about how important it is for us to understand people that are different. So what is it about conversation, right? What is it about having, say, meaningful conversations that is so important? And I'm not just going to ask you generally, because I think that that's probably something we can all have a sense of, but I'd love to know what you feel about why is it so important right now in the world at this moment in time? There's no better time than right now. Uh, we, you know, it's, it's not hard to miss we are in a very divisive society. We have so much pressure on us. Um, and there's so many divisions, whether it's political, um, race, whatever. This is the time more than ever before to start reaching out and stretching ourselves and taking us out of our comfort zones and really listening. You know, um, <laughs> One day, we I'll tell you just a quick story. We were, uh, when I was still working with the food bank, I normally was in the office, you know, doing my work, but occasionally I would go out with the trucks where they were distributing food. And uh, there was a spot in our city, and I live in Nashville, and we have 
a lot of immigrants and refugees here, which is a privilege and an honor to serve them. But uh, they, a lot of them are coming, you know, straight off the plains, you know, and we're handing them food. And one day there was a gentleman and we sort of had a rule at these stops, you get so much in each box, we'll be here next week. We wanna make sure everyone has fair distribution. And one man came and he was pushing people out of the way, shoving, taking stuff out of other people's boxes that he wanted, grabbing more than he should. And everyone was getting angry. But we pulled him off to the side and he spoke um, Farsi and he, I had to have an interpreter, but we pulled him off to the side and said, what's going on? What's happening here? Uh, and we found out he had just arrived in the States. They had been in a refugee camp and there was never enough for his family. Mm. And so this behavior was out of that. And knowing more of his story, we had more compassion for him. We didn't feel so angry anymore. Like, look, you know, the gentleman has come out of a very um, hard place. And so he just has to learn there will be enough. But we had more compassion and it made more sense. Why is this man acting like this? And it sort of goes back to the iceberg thing, getting beneath the surface, seeing what's informing his behavior helped us so much. And that's why it's so important to go beyond surface things and just trying to prove our points and all that, but actually understanding people's stories. We would probably think differently, vote differently, um, lead our lives differently. We would do so many things differently if we really, really understood people's stories. Mm. I think that's so true because um, it's, it's, it's such an interesting, you know, space that you are in, in this place of radical compassion and really helping people kind of break down the differences between us. Because I actually had a, uh, a personal experience of this and this and probably lots of people, this is nothing special. I was just, I love watching documentaries and I found a documentary on Netflix that was actually um, created in Australia. And it was about the, it was about the immigrants and refugees that were arriving by boat illegally to the Australian shores. And there was a big political problem with this and uh, it was kind of dividing the country. So these documentary people um, created a series and what they did was they, they kind of took eight Australians, all individuals that didn't know each other, and they took them on the same journey that the refugees and the, the boat people were coming on from Indonesia and different places and made them like sleep with a family um, and then follow their journey and track them and realize really from beneath that surface place that you're talking about, Cheryl, that they really didn't have any other option. They were just trying to right. survive the best they could. And, you know, although it was very dangerous to get on the boat, although it was illegal, it was actually the best chance for their family. And it was a fascinating transformation to watch these people go through this experience, become friends with these different, in inverted commas, people, get to love them and know them and want to support them. And it was just this very graphic journey of what you're speaking about that, you know, when they did sit down and listen, they were able to expand their capacity of love and understanding towards these people and realize that 
if they were in the same situation, chances are they would probably do the same thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And in, in a way, that's sort of what we're doing. Obviously, yeah. we're not having them live with them, but in my work where we're pulling together gatherings, we are intentionally bringing people in from all walks of life. And in fact, to set the tone, uh, we have co-hosts that lead each group. And my co-host is completely different than from me. From me, She's from Iraq. She's a refugee. She's Muslim. I'm white, American, and a Christian. Um, and so we come from very different paths, but we set the tone for the group to feel comfortable coming in from all different walks of life. And um, it gives us an opportunity then to have conversations. Of course, we have ground rules of respect and honoring each other and honoring each other's experiences and stuff like that. So it, it never escalates into arguments and things like that, but just hearing each other and listening yeah. and willing to hear something we've never heard before. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's key, hearing something we haven't heard before. Mm-hmm. I think you've just there spoken to something that for me feels very important in this space because, um, of course, as you know, probably can realize I'm from England, living in America, <laughs> right? And just because I look white and America, I look like an American woman. It's it's often a shock to people when I open my mouth, especially living here in Columbus, Ohio, because they don't see many Brits. It was different in California and Florida, which are other places I've lived. But here, people are like, "Oh, wow, you're different. Like, where do you come from? Like, what's this?" Right? And um, thankfully, in my case, it's usually a positive discrimination that I I receive. But I can imagine. Well, I, I can only imagine, let's put it that way, I guess, because I'm sure there's things I can't imagine. But I can, I can only imagine what it must be like to be on the negative side of that difference, to be someone that they don't understand, that they really don't have any information <laughs> about, mm-hmm. and just the stereotypes you know, and I have a really good friend who lives in New York and he's, he's an Arab and he was there in 9-11 and is still there today. And yet he suffers just a huge amount of bias and, you know, prejudice and discrimination just because of the way he looks, because right. he looks like, you know, he looks a bit like Saddam Hussein. He looks a bit like the people that, that, we have been taught, if you like, to culturally to protect ourselves from. Right. And he's the most loving, wonderful person you would ever meet. <laughs> so well, I think with how we can avoid some of that kind of thing is not looking at people as groups, mm-hmm. but as individuals. We can never say all blacks do this, all whites do this, all Muslims do this. You just cannot do that because we're all different. I don't want to be compared to all white Christians. They don't represent me. Um, And so many of my Muslim friends say the same thing. We we are not hateful terrorists. That's a step of our community. That is not us. We just want our families to be safe and to have opportunity like everyone else. Um, so I think when we can stop 
seeing groups of people and see individuals and hearing their stories. And the only way we're going to do that is to widen our circle and know people different than us Mm -hmm. and hearing their stories and not just one or two, but over and over again. So we're like, wow, the narrative isn't correct about Mm -hmm. these people. And so it must be like everyone else. There's people that are, wonderful to work with and what you know and I don't like to typify people but just we can't characterize a whole group of people we have to honor their humanity and see that everyone is different and we most times want the same things safety and security opportunity love all the same things yeah yeah and so I want to ask you like why uh, well, I'm not going to say why because that's in a way that's a, a deeper question but like what is this in service of for you what's your vision that you're working towards and this is the work you've chosen to really I guess I would assume make the world a better place yes uh, <laughs> to be honest with you uh, I have a speaking coach and he's, I have a couple and they're actually getting after me. Oh, you need to write a book. You need to do this to monetize right. you need to do this. And that just sort of goes against my brain <laughs> a little bit. He said, you've got to make a living, Sharon. And I said, I understand, but this is so important. If I said this, and I shouldn't probably put this out there, but if I said this the rest of my life and never was paid a penny, I would still be just as passionate because mm-hmm. this is so important to me. Um, I've just, I've seen people change. And I see so much change that needs to be brought in the world that if my little circle can influence a bigger circle and a bigger bigger circle, we could make a difference. And I'll tell you, Jane, if you just see, like, say I influence, only influence 10 people in my life, Mm -hmm. but those 10 people influence 10 people and those people influence 10 people, then you have a web going out. And before you know it, if you get your calculator out, you're influencing <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people to have yeah. a bigger heart, a better understanding, and hopefully move forward more peacefully. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I love that you brought that up because it is that, it's like that compounding effect <laughs> that just kind of grows incredibly fast and it is the way that we can change the world from just like our like you say from your small circle from your part of the world just influencing 10 and then it goes out can actually change the world and i want to i want to underline that for our listeners because very often in this space people think oh yeah like i know the issues i know what i'm passionate about and i'd love to do something about it but i've no idea how (laughs) right Right. I suggest to the people I talk to, to start small. Start with yourself first. Be aware of any prejudices or things that come up as you think about different people and do the self work. Mm. But then also start to widen your circle. Um, You know, talk to your neighbors um, that maybe are a different race. Uh, When you're in line getting coffee and there's a lady with um, a hijab on or something, just chat be friendly you don't have to have big deep conversations all the time but just starting to get to know people 
when we're safely able to have people into your home. It doesn't have to be some big organized thing for everyone. I mean, for me, I'm, this is my work and this is what I'm passionate about. But you can just make little changes that has a ripple effect. It affects your family. It affects your children. It affects um, so, you know, your coworkers. And, and it can start small. You know, the problems can feel so big that sometimes we feel overwhelmed and shrink back to do nothing because what can I do? But then if you realize if everybody just influences their circle of influence, the world could change. Yeah. And as I was listening to you there, I was thinking, gosh, you're so right. You know, it does start with us as an individual. And then I thought, back to what you were saying um a few moments ago about you know really doing the work in in places where compassion isn't necessarily found like the hard work like in prisons and things and i was and it just came to me i thought my gosh like how do you take care of yourself cheryl how do you listen with compassion to your own inner self when you're in these environments where it must be stressful and anxiety provoking at times for you in these situations. It, it can be, you're right. And uh, for people that are doing this work, you know, I took some training at the beginning of all of the, that has come up with the Black Lives Matter in the last um, a few weeks, I took a training specifically for people that are thought leaders and teachers and counselors and things like that in the race issues. And two thirds of my training was about self care and in yourself full. And they said some things that really stuck with me. If you are empty, you can't fill anyone else's cup. And so it's okay. The the good work will continue if you have to step away for a week or two, right. and and revive yourself. Um, I left town in the middle of all the um, things that were coming up just a few weeks ago. I left town with my daughter because she was overwhelmed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, feeling like she had to do all this, and her black friends were frustrated, and she was overwhelmed. A lot was going on, and I was too. So we literally hopped in the car and disappeared. And it was, and we promised each other we wouldn't talk about all of this Mm. um, and just renew ourselves so we could come back better. Uh, And it was hard to be honest with you. The first two days, I didn't know how to talk about anything else. (laughs) It was forefront on my mind. And so there was some silent times between us. But after a while, we just got to reminiscing and enjoying and doing, you know, going on walks and riding bikes and things like that. And it just, it was what we needed. It was what she needed and it's what I needed as well. So it's okay. And for anyone out there, whether you're doing it as work or just you're hoping to exact change in your family or your community, it's okay if you're overwhelmed to back up for a moment. It doesn't mean that you don't care. But if you're not cared for in full and if you're not taking care of yourself you can get ill i've seen so many fabulous leaders that don't do this burn out right um, and get physically ill and so it's really important to take care of yourself it doesn't mean the world's going to fall apart if you step away you know come back in but uh it's okay to care for yourself Mm. yeah 
Now, I, I've heard you use the term love anyway. What do you mean by that? Uh, that's a term, actually, it is not mine originally. I get it from the organization I'm partnering with right now, which is Preemptive Love. They use that term uh, to love people that hate you, to love people that disagree with you. You just have to make that conscious decision, no matter how hateful and angry they could be towards you, you're going to love them anyway. And it's a conscious decision that you are going to love no matter what. And it's a practice that takes time, you know, especially someone's coming at you, coming at your family. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a very hard choice to make, but it's an essential choice to make mm. because it's all the difference in your heart and your life. And it will reach some and change some. Mm. And it, it seems to me that as you're saying that, like conceptually, I understand what you mean. Like I, I get it. And then there's another part of me where I think, gosh, like if I put myself into a situation and I, I think about, you know, if someone were like, I don't know, like being abusive or, or I'll say just ver- verbally violent to me in any way or my family, I can just imagine I may have committed to love anyway, right? But trying to find that emotion in that moment. Oh, sure. I can imagine it being like almost. Absolutely. Impossible. And and it's it's okay to protect yourself. It's okay to protect your loved ones and pull away. But there's a type of love for the, the attacker or the person that's coming at you you're loving them enough to not allow them to continue this destructive behavior by removing yourself from the situation right. and not allowing it. And so that is a form of love. And obviously they've got more work to do, mm-hmm. um, but that is loving them in a way of saying, I'm not going to allow you to, it, love is not something where you lay down and walk, let people walk all over you. That's right. not, um, loving someone that is making poor choices and and doing bad or evil things means I love you enough. I'm going to pull away. You're not going, I'm not going to allow you to do the things that are not only destructing my life, but destructing your own by behaving this way. Mm. Um, So it's, you know, it's just part of the work with that, whoever is hurting you, but no, I am not saying stay there and just be all lovey dovey and um, put up with horrible behavior. That's not what I'm saying at all. It's okay to protect and to, because there are some people that will choose hatred, fear, and anger, and vitriolic language, no matter what you do. And so you reach the people you can, and you move on. That is great advice. Reach the people you can, and then move on. Because, you know, very often we can feel like we... In, when we're in this space and we have set ourselves an intention, like you suggest, to love anyway, you know, it can, it can be disappointing or we can feel like we're less than because we're not able to, I'm going to say save everybody. Right. Um, because particularly in the coaching industry, that's something I come across with coaches a lot is trying to teach coaches you can't save anyone you've really got to just stand by their side while they save themselves and help guide them if you can but 
when you said there, you know, reach the people you can and those you can't move on, that feels very liberating to me in this space because that gives me the opportunity to choose, doesn't it? It gives me agency, gives me sovereignty over my own behavior. Right. And it's, and you also don't know what seed you planted. You know, yeah. you may feel like you made no change, yeah. but you may have planted a small seed that will yeah. come to fruition with maybe years down the road. And so you don't know what effect you had. It may not be visible for some yeah. people, but um, you showed up, you were there and um, you know, there, there's enough people that can grow. And to be honest with you, sometimes, especially in the white community, I get a frustration of not so much people being hateful or angry with me, but just not wanting to talk about it because yeah. it's uncomfortable. And, and these things are not something they have to face on a daily basis. So I don't want to feel uncomfortable. But I don't want to talk about that. So they ghost me. They don't respond, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, we run into those kind of things, but we just hope that our good work reaches enough hearts that our effect will blossom. Mm. And like I said, we just never know. We may have planted some seeds in some hearts that will not show to us, but will someday. Mm. So tell us about your gatherings, because I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that you're part of a team that are creating these gatherings to make these conversations happen. Right. We meet right now because of the times we're in on Zoom. Uh, but normally we would meet in homes and bring meals together. And we invite people to bring food that is indicative of their culture so we can learn new things. But it's not about the food. It's about the conversation. Mm. Um, it's a time where people of all ages, races, um, beliefs, or lack thereof, faith, you know, all the different people can come in a safe place to share their stories, to hear other stories, and build relationship. Um, we say, you know, that we, every meeting, we read um, the rules about being, you know, respectful and all that, but then also we read something that is, talks about how we need to work through all the the brokenness in the world and that we are here in our small way in our circle to support and learn from each other and it's been it's been really awesome jane to um, listen to the conversations and people that it's clear they don't agree on something but they're being respectful and they're hearing each other and i have seen one i was in there was a gentleman came in and he came because his daughter wanted him to be there and he had his arms crossed. He was leaned back. His body language was saying, I'm listening just because my daughter wants me here, but I don't agree and, and I don't understand these people. But I watched him as he listened, his arms uncrossed. He started leaning forward. He started listening. And at the end, he said, I, I've learned things in all my 60 some years I've never heard before. And this has given me a lot to think about. And I watched his body change. Mm. And, you know, and I love seeing things like that happen where people come together and it, it stirs thoughts mm. and, oh, wow, you know, but I love these. We meet monthly and we come together uh, in a spirit of learning and open heartedness. And we say it's okay to disagree, but to do it respectfully. And uh, we don't have to change anyone's mind. That's not the point of 
the exercise. The point is to build relationships and understanding. And it's been going wonderful. Mm, yeah. And it feels to me like this is such an important part of our, I, I'm going to say our evolution of, as humans. Because in my world, there's a lot of leaders now talking about, you know, kind of coming out of COVID into and co-creating a new world and a new, new paradigm. And I think about the way we are as humans. We're very social creatures and conversation for me is where everything begins. It's where all the great ideas for great businesses begin. It's where we find where we belong as people, you know, in our families of origin first, hopefully, and then, you know, in, in the world at large and find our careers, but it's all through conversation. Isn't, isn't that like the answer to like what we need right now (laughs) as humans, more, more deeper conversation. (laughs) Yes. Well, I would say that caveat of what we were saying earlier, if it's yeah. healthy conversation, if it's yeah. not, you're not there to prove a point, you're not there trying to think of what you're going to say next to impress someone or to um, convince someone or whatever, but truly listening. And it's a practice that we all can continue to work on um, of really listening and hearing. It doesn't mean you're going to agree but that is how we move forward and have healthy, more mature relationships that, and I will go so bold as even to say, if there was enough conversation and true open hearts, we would have less war. We would have so much less hatred and fear of each other. It would, the world would be a better place. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I really do. Now, one of the things we talk about as sacred change makers is the difference in our lives when uh, we feel we have a calling. And it sounds to me like you have a calling here, Cheryl. So I'm going to ask you in your own words, you know, if I were to say to you, what might your calling be? How would you describe that thing that you can't not do in the world? I think it's the very thing I am doing. I took a training the other day of finding your purpose and it just, it was very in depth and it just took me right back where I am. Really? And uh, I'm so thankful that I've been given the opportunity to do this. Mm. My husband's been very supportive. Um, My family is very supportive. Um, I did leave my position in what I was doing. I loved my work. I love helping people. That has been the crux of everything I do. I love to help. Ever since I was a child, I had a desire to travel the world and help poor people is what in my mind as a child was. Um, So it's always been there, but um, I'm so thankful I have this opportunity and, um, and it's just something if I have breath in my lungs, some form of helping the world be a better place will always be on my forefront. Wow. Thank you. Um, If our listeners want to do something to affect change, I mean, where can they start? Well, it sort of goes back to what I said a few minutes ago. Start small. Yeah. Understand where you are and, you know, what is your motivation? How do you, 
you know, I mean, even just think about different groups of people. Does something come up in my heart of fear or dislike or whatever and work through those things that um, read thought leaders books, listen to talks, uh, blogs, podcasts, people that are out there making a difference to open your mind and understand things on a bigger way. But then to start to widen your circle start small start with your family have the conversations based out of love of how we can be our best selves in the world and understand the world and then branching out and making friendships um, with people that you normally wouldn't particularly connect with because you don't have the same lifestyle or you don't have the same circles or faith or race or whatever skin color um, Get to know people, invite them in your home, share a meal, have a coffee, and just see where it leads. I think you will find people when you reach out to them, even if they're somewhat hesitant and not trust you, if they see you're coming from a heart of, I just really want to make a friend with you and get to know you, mm. so much growth can happen. And it, and it's, if we all do this, because we aren't all called full-time to be out there changing the world, mm -hmm. um, but everybody, everybody is called to do better and be better in their own communities. And so I'm real big on just starting small and growing from there and see where your heart takes you. Oh, I love that last bit. See where your heart takes you. Yeah, I have a, I have a saying that if I trust my heart, it, it never leads me to the wrong people or places. <laughs> so, I love that. Um, okay, so final question, Cheryl. You know, um, if there's something that you wanted to, us to talk about today, something for us to get to that we haven't yet, what might it be? I think we've done a really good job of covering things. But in this time, I would encourage the listener to never make decisions out of fear or lack. There is enough for all of us in this world. There's enough love. There's enough opportunity. And do your best to lift each other up. And not just the people that are easy to love, but those that need you to be there for them. Um, if you have blessing or opportunity, share it, whether it's finances or opportunities, um, whatever, just lifting each other up and allowing people that need a voice to have a voice. Um, I would encourage listeners to do that. Gosh, that's great wisdom. That really is. Thank you, Cheryl, so much. What a great conversation. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, guys, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we finish today, I want you to know why this podcast exists. Because at Sacred Changemakers, we believe in a better world and we believe that business can be a powerful force for good. We also know that life and business today more than ever is a key driving force in evolutionary change. We can all be change makers and together we can make the world a better place, just as you've heard in our conversation today. So if deep down you know you want to make a difference, then let us help you. We invite you to visit our website where you can sign up for our popular five-day program, Awakening the Changemaker Within, at no charge. There you will find all the resources and links for our guests in the show notes, along with our free program at sacredchangemakers.com.
Our growing community of change makers make this podcast possible because our members are our sponsors. If our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. And for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the work you do to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.